The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap and Bloody Disgusting and IGN sometimes, and everybody calls me Bibs. My name is... My name is... Nah. <laughs> I'm the muttering guy. <laughs> my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I have opinions about movies. And I have damn good taste. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody out there in the world watched An Elephant Sitting Still because of me. That must have been real flattering for you. Did they like it? I don't know yet. (laughs) They're still watching it. It's quite a long film. It's been a week. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this time on Cancel Too Soon, uh, it was recently Whitney's birthday. Mm -hmm. So he got to pick whatever the hell he wanted. Doesn't matter if it connects to anything. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As long as it fit the rules, it was fine. Not everything has to be part of like a theme month or a theme episode or you know, no, just co- my, my connected that, to a current event my point is is that you could just you had the freedom i had the freedom i, to I had no input whatsoever i couldn't say i don't feel like it you just picked the show mm. and the show you picked is very on brand whitney what did you pick <laughs> i picked the weird owl show think spatulas think hamsters think Leaderhosen? the all new Woo! Yeah. Uh, the Weird Al Show theme song is on one of his records. It's on uh, with Scissors. Yes, it is. Mm. Uh, the Weird Al Show is a obviously short-lived kids television series starring a famous parody singer-songwriter Weird Al Yankovic as himself. And he lives in a cave underneath the Earth's surface, which is visited by a variety of kooky friends and celebrity Mm. guests. And every week there is a moral lesson he has to learn, and he does it with zany humor. And his best friend is Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Yep. Uh, It's very much in the vein, well, uh, structurally at at the very least, very much in the vein of Pee-wee's Playhouse, Mm -hmm. which was a huge, huge hit. People probably don't, well, I guess people do know and still remember because people still know who Pee-wee Herman is. That's right. In the 1980s, uh, uh, Pee-wee Herman, a.k.a. Paul Rubens, uh, took a live stage show that he did, which is very surreal, very uh, arch, and he turned it into a very successful kids program in which he basically screamed at kids and showed them a bunch of well, weird he, psychedelic imagery, and we loved he, it. He lived in this like upside-down world of complete surrealism. Everything was alive in Pee-wee's Playhouse. The chairs were alive. The window had a speaking role, and there was a genie's head in a box, and... Pee-wee's, uh, Pee-wee Herman himself was this very strange man-child character who had very childish interests, like, mm-hmm. like magic tricks and TV shows and animation, and accepted everything about the world the way it was, but 
to Pee Wee Herman, there was always a kind of dark edge to it. Mm. And I think that comes from the fact that Paul Rubens invented Pee Wee Herman as kind of a satire character. Yeah. Uh, his stage shows were very adult and they included like sexual themes and cuss words and all the rest of that. Um, yeah, it was parlayed into this really kind of surreal uh, children's program. It became this cultural phenomenon. Two movies yeah. uh, at the time. There was Three so, now, but yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people yeah, were clamoring for a return, so they did. Pee-wee's yeah. Big Holiday was on uh, Netflix. Pee-wee Herman uh, gave Tim Burton his first theatrical uh, mm-hmm. directorial gig. So there was a lot of weirdness to the show, or to the show and to the character and to... Uh, to Pee-wee himself. Uh, pee- yeah, Pee-wee himself. And uh, Weird Al Yankovic wanted a piece of that action is what he wanted. Well, Weird Al Yankovic and Pee-wee Her- and Paul Rubens were contemporaries. They're about the same age, and they were coming up at the same time. Um, uh, the Pee-wee character was developed around 1981. Like, that's when the HBO, first HBO special started airing. And Weird Al released his first record when he was still pretty young in 1983. So um, they're part of the same sort of comedy landscape. And they do have if you look at it a certain way, a very similar sense of humor. This kind of absurdist, childlike uh, obsession with, like, really kitschy stuff um, and this weird need to subvert. And I know that's a weird thing to say about Weird Al Yankovic. No, I think it's fair. But uh, if... Especially if you go back to a lot, a lot of his really early stuff. Uh, if you listen to his first two records, if you find a lot of sort of the B-side stuff that he was doing, you can find that stuff online now. Uh, you can see that what Weird Al Yankovic was doing wasn't this sort of kid-friendly, wacky comedy thing. It was actually a lot, of, like, really kind of punk rock in a way. Because that sort of thing wasn't being done, especially not in the mainstream so much. No, no, there were there was always novelty records, mm. but it was always off to the side of bed. And what Weird Al was doing... It seems so obvious now, and certainly he wasn't the first person to do a parody version of a popular song, but mm-hmm. Weird Al Yankovic managed to take something that people took really seriously, mm-hmm. you know? The, the, like the, ro- the pop rock firmament. Yeah, yeah, the real rock music and the real pop hits, Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and everyone. And he would completely undermine their credibility yep. and make it about something completely absurd and ridiculous to the point where something that was totally badass became about totally, food. Yeah. yeah, became totally silly and about food. And on top of that, and this is the thing, his version would also be a hit. <laughs> Very frequently. In fact, uh, Weird Al Yankovic's career, he's still going. Like, he... With the release of his last album, Mandatory Fun, about four years ago, his record contract was up and he said he's not going to make any more records. So we might be at the end of like actual album content from Weird Al Yankovic. What does he do now? Well, he said he's just going to release them online as the ideas come to him. Oh, and he, and okay. Released, that's not so bad. He's released a few singles since then. He's been commissioned. He's been on tour a lot. So he's still, you know, p- making work. But, you know, he's in his he's in his 50s. Yeah. He's, he, he doesn't want to do this forever. He's got a teenage daughter at this point. Uh, so no, nor does he have to. Yeah, he's I he's, just, he's I under no obligation to us. I, it sounded like you said he was completely retiring for a second. And I would have been he's like, re- no. He's retiring from the musical molds that you and I grew up with. Fair enough. So... Weird Al Yankovic was, when I was a kid, he was the rock star. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on top of everything, because on top of everything. What was your first first Al record? Everybody has one. Well, the first Al record I ever bought was uh, Alapalooza. But but long before that, I was listening to his work. Okay. And my parents would buy it for me, whatever Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I'm trying to remember what my first one would be. I think the first one I listened to in heavy rotation was UHF. 
Okay, the soundtrack, soundtrack. Yeah, 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 which was a full album. Mm-hmm. Um, the last stuff that wasn't in the movie, and um, it, it was it was a proper record with a few movie tie-ins. But on top of just the fact that his songs were funny and silly, one of the things that I loved most about Weird Al Yankovic was his versatility. Mm-hmm. And he could actually adapt. I mean, he would do it his own way. They would often be with an accordion because accordions are funny. Uh, well, he played the accordion. Of course, he played he the kinda, accordion. But kinda, he kind of ro- he, he kind of rolled with what a square instrument it was. Like yeah. uh, he made he, he made it work. He the, made the, jo- it the joke he told is that he only became an accordionist, and he said this in interviews because there was a door to door salesman who was selling accordions, and they just showed up their door one day, and their his parents said, mm, "What the heck, sure." Son, you're going to play the accordion. Weird Al was like seven. It's like, what? I don't know. Uh, okay. <laughs> he said that, and he, he learned years later that his parents wanted him to take up an instrument, like to have that musical education. And they were torn between the accordion and the guitar. And, <laughs> and the line he gives is, he's glad they chose the accordion because now that accordions are like the premier sex symbols of our age. <laughs> He's never had to look back. Where is the weird... I know they did a parody trailer like this, but seriously, where's the Weird Al movie? Like, the Bohemian Rhapsody well, the, for Weird Al. I want to <laughs> see that movie. <laughs> the problem is, Weird Al doesn't have a very dramatic life. I still he's, want... But that's fine. It can be funny. He's a, a nerdy, kind of loner-ish kid, but not with any kind of dark streak to him. He's always been very light and very gregarious. Mm-hmm. The only thing, like, about his life... There are, like, two, two dramatic things about his life that you could, like, dramatize in a movie like that. One is the unfortunate death of his parents. Yeah. Uh, when he was an adult, he was on tour. He, uh, he lost both of his parents in one day, and that hit him really hard. I'll bet. Um, as it would anyone. The other thing is, he, he didn't marry for a long time. He was just sort of alone for a lot of his life. Nobody wanted to date Weird Al. I can say from hearsay that he got some action. Uh-huh. Anecdotally. <laughs> I, I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if he never, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. had any romance in his mm. life at all, mm. given this amount of celebrity. But, but, but. He's, he's such a calm, polite guy. He's actually not weird at all. Yeah. And you look back to sort of the early days when he was called Weird Al. First of all, weird used to carry a little bit more clout. Now it's such a harmless descriptor. Yeah. It's like, you know, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, I'm so weird. No, you're not weird, Guillermo. <laughs> you make big hits. You're okay. Yeah. Tim Burton, he's a little weird. He makes hits, but he's also a weird guy. Also, I say that we should make a movie about him. There actually was a movie about him, and I'm not talking about... There's a parody trailer online, I think, Funnier Dyer College Humor did it. Uh, but there was a document. I'm the weird one. Yeah. There was an hour long or maybe 90 minute documentary with a lot of fictionalized recreations oh, the, about the Weird Al Yankovic rise to start. Yeah, it was called The Complete Al, and I have that on, on DVD. Yeah, it's a very satisfying, very funny mm-hmm. uh, uh, little half documentary, half fictional it's, show. It's a great way to get his videos if you, like me, didn't have MTV. And one of the one of my favorite things on it was the bit where where he considered that his biggest, like, blockbuster rise to fame like I was some guy on Dr. Demento Mm. and then it was Weird Al after he did the parody of Beat It yeah Uh, Michael Jackson's hit song Beat It Weird Al Yankovic did a version called Eat It Mm. get it and there's a scene that they dramatized <laughs> in, in the complete out, which is him going to Michael Jackson's like mammoth castle and, and it, like it's, cowering it's like a before him. mansion, yeah, it's, and it's like really cowering creepy. before Michael Jackson's throne, just like uh, excuse me, Mister Jackson. I mean, that he's backlit, you can't see his face. All you can see illuminated is the white sequined glove. Yeah, and it's just Al going, uh, Mister Jackson, sir. I know you're the king of pop, but. Um, I had an idea where I wanted to take your song, Beat It, and make it a song called 
eat it. Mm-hmm. And then it was just a close up of the glove, just slowly giving a, a thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah, it's like up, down, up, down. He's like looking at the glove, and then he leaves the room. And th- this is the funny part: he leaves the room, and Michael Jackson turns into a werewolf. <laughs> well, of course, yeah. Thriller was a documentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, he's leaving, and we're all like, oh, what a nice guy's not even paying attention. And Michael Jackson's like, ah, turning into this monster behind him. <laughs> That's a great thing. I wish more people had seen that. But uh, So I grew up listening to Weird Al religiously. Yeah, there is, yeah, yeah. honestly, if you, like, started playing them, I could probably sing through every single one of his medley polkas without missing a beat. <laughs> like, I actually, yeah, yeah. I actually suggested ones that Whitney and I do that for a live show. Like, oh, we gosh. try to get through all of the pokas. Look, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I too, listen to Weird Al religiously. Uh, Dare to be Stupid was the first record I ever bought. That was a, it, that it, was a big it, one. It, it informed my life in ways you cannot possibly fathom. Yeah. Between Weird Al and Mad Magazine, I've never been able to take any of pop culture at all seriously. It shows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it explains a lot. It, 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 that, that's, those are the things that are my bedrock. If you want to know who I am, listen to, listen to Dare to be Stupid 30 times in a row. Um, but, you know, I carried that into co- my college years, and I actually had a novelty music radio station. I fancied myself Dr. Demento very briefly. You would have been a good one. Oh, uh, well. You'd have been good at it. I, I mean, if it was went beyond college radio, I think you would have been good I, at it. I, w- I wish I had pursued that sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I decided to have an all-polka episode. Because I was going to college in 96, he just released his album Bad Hair Day. So there was some new Weird Al to tap into. Right. And I decided, why don't we lead up to the newest polka by playing all of the other polkas in succession? Don't ever do that. Are you, what are you talking about? I do that all the time. You'll run out of energy, uh, like, not even before the second one is over. No, that is bullshit. I, I listen to a Spotify playlist of nothing but Al's polkas. Oh, golly. On repeat. Okay, I live and breathe. Str- I live and breathe, Al, in a way you don't even understand. <laughs> hey, yeah. You think you're a I fan? I want no naysaying. You think you're a fan? I'm I will... a weird Al super fan here. Yeah, hmm. I know the original lyrics to Yoda, but uh, I, I've followed I it. I, I did not started. see UHF in theaters. UHF was his feature film. Uh-huh. He, he, he co-wrote. Well, I did. He co-wrote. <laughs> UHF was buried. It was a big failure. Mm. And between that and Polka Party, Weird Al tasted failure for the first time because it was mostly just a scent up until that point. Uh, UHF failed because it opened the same summer as Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, and a little film called Batman. Uh, yeah, it was It doomed. was buried. There uh, was just a... no, no way that thing was going to break through. And it didn't even do well overseas. And the reason why, Weird Al tells the story on the DVD. Mm. Um, when it opened in Europe, they told him and the producers, like, hey, mm. listen, we can't call it UHF over there because they don't have UHF. Yeah. That's not a thing. UHF, if you're if you're young and don't know what that is, back before we had cable and everything just sort of came in over the airwaves, uh, there was ultra high frequency stations, which mm. were typically local stations, like they couldn't get very far. And, yeah. Um, and as a result, there was a lot of local broadcasts, local television shows, maybe some local news, maybe your local college had a UHF a station. Lot of, a lot of stuff produced on the cheap, often by crazy people. <laughs> Mr. Science Theater 3000 started off as a UHF, UHF show. show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, UHF is a movie about Weird Al Yankovic and his friends uh, inheriting a UHF TV station and because they just put crazier and crazier stuff on it it started to become more popular than the networks and how that created like this war between them and it's it's funny it's a really funny movie Um, you have the volcano worshippers hour followed by (laughs) fun with dirt I got a call from a guy who can swallow his own face I booked him (laughs) 
But uh, when they, again, they couldn't release it as UHF in Europe, and so they said, "What can we call it?" And they suggested, "Could we call it Vidiots?" Mm-hmm. And Weirdo Yankovic said, "Yeah, sure, Vidiots. That's fine. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. mind that." And then they called it Vidiots from UHF. The, the Vidiot from UHF was yeah the, yeah. the title. So no one saw it because they didn't know what the fuck it was. <laughs> the Vidiot from UHF sounds like a fine, fine title as as is. It's still it's no, that's a terrible yeah, but title. It's it's a hilarious movie. I've seen it hundred. I've seen it a hundred times. It's uh, very very funny. <laughs> spatula City, we sell spatulas, <laughs> uh, and that's all. To this day, the Gandhi two preview makes me giggle a little bit. I like Conan the Librarian. Mm. Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? It also features that Conan the Librarian bit features one of the worst movie special effects I've ever seen. The guy getting cut in half. Yeah, he gets cut in half, and they use this weird sort of like matte painting composite where they just move two paintings apart really quickly <laughs> on the frame. It looks so bad. Um, but uh, yeah, Weird Al had always wanted to sort of sp- extend himself and like extend into more media. He has always been very media savvy, just sort of based on the age he grew up in. And he always was a little bit wry about it because he would grew up reading like Mad Magazine and listening to like Tom Lehrer and Stan Freeberg and other parodists. And he was also growing up in the time of the new wave. And you, you talk to him about sort of his favorite movie, music growing up that wasn't comedy music and he lists stuff like Devo. Yeah. Things that are really kind of subversive. So he always wanted to break into media and undo it from underneath. And he was very All savvy. in a very about, polite, funny way. And he was very savvy about doing that on MTV. And yeah, a lot of his yeah. music videos were, if you if you only saw one shot, you might think it was indistinguishable from whatever he was satirizing. But then there would be some very savvy visual humor that mm-hmm. undermined it and was very, very funny. Yeah, he, he took a lot of his cues from Airplane and Top Secret. He admits to... Stealing gags wholesale from Top Secret. Which is fine. Those are funny gags. And he was just a comedy icon that was a little outside the mainstream, but still very, very popular. Mm. And you knew in, like, elementary schools, like... When he would found the Weird Al kids. Like, (laughs) I'm at a new school, I have to find... The Weird Al kids, like those are that's that's my jam. That's my table under the pergola. Like that's where I live at lunchtime. There's a kid over there snorting root beer. I'm there. I'm there. (laughs) Everyone's wearing Hawaiian shirts. Cool. (laughs) The bubbles make my brain fizz. I love you, kid. We're friends forever. Um. So anyway, Weird Al Yankovic had been trying to get a kids TV show off the ground since the '80s when he was uh, uh, seeing the success of Pee Wee Herman, thinking. I have a persona, I have a look, I have a character, mm. I have material coming out my ears, yeah, but I could his, be a good kids show host. And uh, according to uh, him, his original idea was going to be Pee-wee's Playhouse, but like a little darker. Mm-hmm. Because if you listen to a lot of his songs, they're not so dark that little kids couldn't have fun with it. I listened to them when I was eight. Yeah, But they do have like death and misery and like stalking and murder. Like those things are lurking throughout. Mm-hmm. And it's always, it's always mm-hmm. like uh, the joke is that the death Death and murder is in there because yeah, it's such well, a happy or, song. But. Or it's or it's like a, a tender love song, but it's about like abandoning someone in the woods or stalking someone or like doing all these like really untoward illegal things like yeah. cre- creepy, creepy stuff. There's a really funny uh, parody you did of uh, Do I Make You Proud, which was Taylor Hicks finale song on that episode of American Idol. No, if, I if you remember, remember Taylor Hicks, yeah. the one with the gray hair, the Soul Patrol. <laughs> Nobody remembers Taylor Hicks. No idea who you're talking about. Uh, but he did a. a at the end of American Idol, you get to sing sort of your finale song to announce that you won. And he did one called Do I Make You Proud that Simon Cowell wrote. And uh, Weird Al parodied that called Do I Creep You Out? <laughs> Every time I shake your hand, want to stick your fingers in my mouth. 
Yeah. Anyway. I love that song. But uh, that's fine, especially if you're going to want to bring that sort of slightly creepy, but still lighthearted and funny sensibility to a children's program. Especially one... Which people do all the time. Yeah, especially riding on the coattails of Pee Wee Herman. However, when someone finally took Weird Al up on the offer, Mm. the network was CBS, and CBS wanted none of that. First of all, it was like 13 years after the fact. So we're we're right, uh, right after... I guess it would be right before Running the Scissors. Around that time, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, the Weird Al show aired on CBS on Saturday mornings, I think, mm-hmm. uh, from September 13th through December 6th, 1997. Uh, lasted 13 episodes? 13 episodes. And it was brought to you by Weird Al and director slash producer Peyton Reed. Mm-hmm. Peyton Reed uh, would eventually go on to direct the Ant-Man movies, Down With Love, mm-hmm. Bring It On, very successful filmmaker in his own mm-hmm. right. Um, but when he was working with Weird Al Yankovic on the show, along with a bunch of other writers and other talented mm-hmm. people, uh, CBS only wanted Weird Al's show as part of their government-mandated educational programming block. Mm-hmm. They which, had which no interest. Thing. A, a, certain oh, yeah. per, a certain percentage of children, children uh, acceptable programming had to, by law, be educational. Yes. Uh, so that ended up basically sinking the Weird Al show because yeah. Yeah, we're all giving, of Weird Al's... We're all of this set up to Weird Al as sort of a, a primer as to who he was, where he was going... And why this show sucks so bad. I love Weird Al Yankovic uh. more than I love most members of my own family. And I know I've used that <laughs> line before, which would tell you quite a bit about the celebrities I love and maybe a little bit about my family. And I seriously, I had I watched like one episode of this when it was on the air. Yeah. I knew it was below my, my demographic, but it was Weird Al. And I thought to myself, you know what? There's got to be something here. Something's got to be fun. Maybe it has yeah. some new music in it, something. And I'm watching the show and I'm like, pass. Like, it just wasn't for me. Yeah. And it wasn't until we decided to do this episode that I finally watched every episode of the show. And... It's a snooze. It, uh, it's slow. It's boring. It, Al doesn't have nearly enough of a character. And the reason why he doesn't have a nearly enough of a character is because every episode is about how Al needs to learn a valuable lesson about life. Mm-hmm. And yet he's not the kind of character who's like bad. It's not like he's goofus versus a goofus and Gallant. Yeah. If it was, if he was just some really flawed person who was constantly learning valuable lessons, that might have been something. But he's so amiable and likable mm. that putting him in a situation where he has to make such... And, and the lessons are as simple as, when you encounter a problem, be creative. Mm. Don't betray your friends. Don't forget yeah. birthdays. Like, it's just... Kind of insulting that he's so like these shackled to these lame premises. There's yeah these and uh, you can tell they're trying to make it seem kind of absurd. And they hired Billy West, wonderful voice actor Billy West, a voice of Fry Uh, on Futurama. Yeah, uh, Stimpy. And uh, later on, after John Kay was fired from his show, Ren and Stimpy, (laughs) (laughs) he played both of them because he's that talented. Um, and then uh, later on in interviews, he says, I'm glad John Kay was fired from that show, and now we all know why. Yeah. Um, Let's not get into that. We're not going to get into okay, that. thank you. <laughs> we, we haven't covered John Kay shows for a reason. Yes. Uh, but uh, he, he, hi- he hired uh, Billy West, and Billy West would scream the lesson, always think for yourself! And they're trying, t- trying, 
not succeeding, but trying to make these mandated lessons seem a little bit absurd. But that's the entire premise of the episode. Every episode. They can't, they're they, never free from they're it. They're not permitted to subvert it in any sort of way. And yeah, as, because Al is the one who has to be the one to learn the lesson, he comes across as a complete dick. Which is not what we get from the introduction. He's supposed to be this kind of wacky, freewheeling, uh, kind of innocent. Yeah. Uh, in the premise. And you can tell he wants to be that. Like, he's mm-hmm. begging to be that. Yeah. And he just can't. And the show, because it is like Pee-wee's Playhouse, it's all confined to one location, for the most part. It's a co- colorful, not incredibly yeah. interesting set, but... No, it's actually, it was actually set design from the set designer of Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. Um, it looks like fun, like I'd like to live there, that'd be neat. But, um, yeah, it's just him wandering around his apartment. And the premise of the show, if you watch the, the opening credits, is Al was uh, sort of a, a vagrant who just moved from place to place mm-hmm. doing weird stuff. And then finally, he was in the woods and he saved someone from a bear trap. Mm-hmm. And the person happened to be a TV producer, so he gave Al his own show. Mm-hmm. So now, every week, Al live casts from his lair at the bottom of the earth. So there's this and- weird there's this weird meta-narrative going on. Mm-hmm. Which, which Al are we seeing? Are we seeing Al? at home or are we seeing Al the professional host and are they one and the same is he ever off when does his job begin I think his job is it's a, it's like MST3K he's mm. always doing that stuff but this is the half hour when we okay. when we actually are watching All right. I think get that impression because we meet not just Al we meet like his whole the, community well, and the, so, pe- the people who come by um, mo- he ha- enlisted a lot of his celebrity friends like people he kn- famous people he knew uh, Victoria Jackson mm-hmm. who I don't think they've ever gone on record that they dated, but I'm sure they did. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, uh, Judy Tenuta. Judy they've Tenuta never gone the... on record that they dated, but I'm sure that they did. And that would be God. That would be such a cool couple. Uh, Can you imagine that kind of comedy power couple? Yeah. And how like kind of insufferable it would be to be around them? Just pl- nothing but accordion jam sessions every night. <laughs> <laughs> Judy Tenuta is is a you screwed up pig. Sorry, sorry. Judy Tenuta is is a very brash comedian who is mm. does not get enough credit now for being such a comedy superstar that she was in the nineties. Um, but uh, okay, so the main supporting cast, the main supporting cast, is a lot. Mm. Uh, he, uh, Al's next door neighbor is a superhero called the Hooded Avenger. Mm-hmm. Played by Brian Haley. Uh, he is very heroic and he always is coming in, doing dashing things, mm-hmm. saying valuable lessons, and then leaving. Yeah, he has to run off if there's injustice somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there's his pet, Harvey the Wonder Hamster, playing He's himself. Played by a Siberian hamster. Uh, let's see, we have Val Brentwood, Gal Spy, played by Paula J- uh, Jai Parker. Who I. I- Val Brentwood is kind of indistinguishable from the Hooded Avenger, except she does like. Slightly eviler things. The implication but she's is got that she's, a, she's more got underhanded. A, she's got a superhero costume and bright blue hair and mm-hmm. a cape. Yeah, so she may as well just be another superhero. And then, uh, and then we have Corky, Corky's uh, cousin. Yeah, Corky's Al's cousin, Corky, uh, who was actually really funny and actually gets a whole episode to herself, which is really rare. Yeah. Um. Wow. Why am I not finding her? Uh, her yeah. here? On the page. Oh, Danielle Weeks. Yeah, Danielle Weeks played Cousin Corky. Um, and uh, then we get a whole bunch of people who sort of show up every once in a while. There's mm-hmm. a rival uh, talk show host uh, named Uncle Ralphie, played by Jack Plotnick. There's um, a man boarded up in the wall, voiced by Eddie Deason. Yep, easy gig for Eddie yeah. Deason, but uh, uh, credit for it. Stan and Donovan Freeberg show up in uh, film segments. Uh, once per episode, there's a bit where Al 
decides to, I have no idea what to do, let's watch TV. And of course, that's something that he clearly brought from the early days of the development of the show. Yeah. In this sort of, we're going to take a TV show, and then it's so innocuous, we're just going to watch TV on the TV show. And at one point, he actually explains why he's doing it, and he actually just says, uh, hey, listen, I know you're only watching one TV station right now, and you're wondering, I wonder what's on everywhere else, so let's watch it together. <laughs> and it's just, and it's an excuse for usually two to three minutes of sketch comedy gags, mm-hmm. usually based off of other TV shows. Like, there's a funny uh, exercise bit hosted by Al, and if you look in the background, that's, you'll see Doug. Doug Jones, Jones, yeah. <laughs> Doug Jones, who played the fish monster yeah. in uh, Shape of Water and the fish monster in Hellboy and the fish monster in Hellboy 2. Um, he's great. And the ape monster in Lady in the Water. He's... I said the fish monster in Lady... Oh, Lady in the Water. Lady in the Water. My yeah. bad. My bad. Different, yeah. different monster. Played a lot of monsters. He's probably the most famous yeah. movie monster of our generation. He has an interesting physique, which makes him good for monster casting. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there are also a lot of other regular There's, bits. There's bits where he makes gross food. There's, and that's yeah. pretty much the whole gag. Mm. Gro- it's gross. When, when you're a kid, gross food is funny. It's, it's, it's always been a shtick, too, is, is the mm-hmm. food thing. Um, he, uh, here, here, The most frustrating thing is he decided to do a parody of innocuous TV show, like children's TV shows with, uh, was it Uncle Huggins? David Huggins? Oh, yeah. Mr. H- yeah, Mr. Mr. Huggins. Huggins. Yeah. And Mr. Huggins is like gentle Mr. Rogers type who speaks very slowly and softly. And the, the gag is the two puppets on either side of him hate that they're there. And they, they hate they their insult, lives. They hate their lives and they insult him openly. The puppets are played by Stan and Donovan Freeberg. Um, there you go. I, comedy. God, well... It's comedy. It doesn't work because the innocuous TV show that he's making fun of is his own show. Yeah. He's only kind of pointing out how innocuous what he's doing is. Yeah, not in a subversive way. It's not, it's not significantly different from what we're actually watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if he had gone like a million steps further, maybe that would have been pretty good. We could have um, seen a preview of what he wanted the show to be, but we didn't get that. Uh, he, the studio wasn't willing to pay Al for the rights to his own music, except in small portions. Well, what happens so, is they every after a first couple of episodes over the closing credits they just show like a clip of one of his music videos. yeah like 45 seconds from one of his music videos no context mm. usually not even the chorus because then you have to pay more like it's just there it's like a little taste of Weird Al yeah but like he's and most the, famous for doing parody songs and they only shell out money to do one original one and it was for Prodigy's Firestarter and it was all about having a bad haircut mm. which admittedly I watched the episode I'm like I don't remember this. That 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 part was funny. Yeah, that part was kind of funny. He also did a few video segments for some of his older songs that didn't previously have video segments. Like mm. there's a lasagna music video now, which was I a thought there was thing. a video for that. No, never. Oh. Not not until the show. They filmed it for the show. Huh, I bet. Um, yeah, which was a parody of La Bamba. Isn't that cute? It actually is a funny song. It's about lasagna. Yeah. Uh, but. You have a, mus- a parody musician, and he's hamstrung because he's not allowed to be a parody musician. Mm-hmm. And there's one episode where the premise of the episode is uh, don't. The lesson is don't uh, cave into bullies. Yeah, don't that's the first episode. St- stand up to oh, a bully. No, it's not the first. No, it's episode. not the first episode. Yeah. But uh, uh, like the the studio heads, uh, studio head played by Stan Freeberg, uh, sends his teenage son to sort of hang out. And the teenage son comes in, should have been Donovan Freeberg. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's some other kid comes in and starts pushing everybody around and says, I need you to just put up with all of my ridiculous demands. And they're all insanely ridiculous. And one of them is now you have to sing everything. And weird Al composed like original little snippets of music in dialogue. So he could respond in song. Weird Al is only alive 
during those segments when he's singing. <sighs> he is most comfortable behind a mic stand. And this show actually proves something about Weird Al that I had long suspected. Weird Al is not a comedian. He doesn't have stage banter. He's not a stand-up comedian type guy. Mm -hmm. He doesn't know how to think on the fly. He's not an improv guy. He is a writer. He's a structured fellow. And if you've ever ever seen any footage of Weird Al working in the studio, which he's put on some of his CDs, it's like uh, dual disc things. He is in control of every aspect of production. If you've ever seen Weird Al in concert, which I'm sure you have. Actually, I've never gone. Really? I've never been able to go. I've seen him over a dozen times. I'm jealous. I've never <laughs> okay. been able to go. My brother yeah. went to a Green Jello concert back when they were Green oh, Jello and yeah, yeah. Green Jelly. Um, and Green Jello had that one hit wonder uh, song uh, about the three little pigs. And it was all like heavy metal parody song about the three little pigs. And there's this awesome music video. That's, great. That's the last song I sang karaoke. Uh, it was an awesome music video. It was all stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently when they did it live once, they brought in Weird Al Yankovic to do yeah, it with yeah, yeah. them, which is, sounds awesome. <laughs> and my brother said as, I, as he was leaving mm-hmm. the, the concert hall, Weird Al Yankovic almost ran him over with his car. Nice. <laughs> nice. Everything worked yeah. out fine, but it was an awkward yeah. moment. That's Gr- the closest I've ever come is my brother getting almost yeah, Gr- run over by Weird Al Yankovic. Gr- Green Jello were like, they were like comedy metal. They have a, a, a metal cover of Anarchy in the UK, but they changed the lyrics to be about the Flintstones. Oh, yeah. It's just called Anarchy in Bedrock. It's a fun, it's a fun band. It's pretty hilarious. And, uh, anyway, oh, oh and, we were talking uh, about uh, but, Weird Al Yankovic in concert is that you see his concerts and there are these big bonanzas, these big extravaganzas. There's a lot of costume changes. Yeah, his, his entire band that he's had since the start. It's been the same band members. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Kimo West, Steve J, John Bermuda Schwartz, and Ruben Valtier on keyboards. Um, they are... It's like such a rigidly... And they have like movies and all of these like different instruments. There's like 30 instruments on stage. They have to do it, like rehearse it to the letter. Yeah. I'm not sure about you, but when I go to a concert, I also like the moments when the musicians just sort of stop and spitball for a little bit. Maybe they riff. Maybe they take a request from the audience. Maybe they make a joke with the audience. Maybe yeah, they do it, a cover on ways. the fly. Yeah, th- it works both ways. There's two ways. Yeah. Weird Al was never that latter thing, though. He And I don't think he's capable of really doing that. Well, it's interesting. When you think about his one big acting gig mm. was UHF. And that was his one big starring role in a movie. Mm. And it's I think he's really wonderful in it. But when you see, like, when he has, like, a lot of creative control over the property what did he do in that movie who did he play mm-hmm. did he play Groucho did he play one of the three stooges no he played the straight man in that movie <laughs> it's true. he's very chameleonic and he'll do like bits where he takes on like Stallone's persona as Rambo and he's very good a, at adapting to aside, that yeah. but it's an aside it's not just an aside it's him doing someone else's shtick his own shtick is very laid back mm. and it's just him reacting funny to weirdness he's good comedy reaction mm. but when it comes down to being the weird guy creating all of like the bizarreness and the humor he left that to Michael Richards. He left that to all these other wonderful actors. Mm. He was better at orchestrating it than he is necessarily Playing, at yeah. acting. Playing it. And, so yeah, yeah. So he's, he was never going to be Jim Carrey. I was never yeah. saying, like, which, maybe which is, if he tried really hard, he could have been Steve Martin in that kind of like laid back kind of Steve yeah. Martin, like the later stuff he mm. did. You know what yeah. I mean? Right, right, right. M- maybe, like, maybe. like the but, Roxanne kind of comedy. Uh, uh, but yeah, he he's only comfortable with prep. Yeah, uh, Greg Proops has a really funny line about uh, improv. Uh, what, what do you say about improv? He's like, why not prepare something funny? Um, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and Weird Al 
and he's even said in interviews that he he's admitted to being a bit of a control freak. He needs to have the structure. He needs to make sure that it's going to go the way he wants to. And when you have a really loose, uh, fast-paced TV show about people having quick conversations, and it's being made on a weekly basis, he can't like write it and structure it and edit it the way he wants to. Well, especially when he's dealing with yeah. network notes the, about ne- everything the show can ne- be. Network notes and having to act rather than do all of the writing. Mm-hmm. Everything falters, and his big we- his biggest weaknesses are now on display. Yeah, and his biggest weaknesses are his inability to be off the cuff. And here's the thing: he still comes across like in this show. Like when you're mm-hmm. done with it, when you're done watching the show, and the Shout Factory released the DVD set. It's very respectable. It's got a lot of commentary tracks and everything. It's mm-hmm. nice. Um, when you're done watching the show, if you watch all of it, you don't come off like not liking Weird Al Yankovic. You just don't want to see him do that again. Yeah, that's not what you're, he does. That's not, not a skill set. This is the only time I've seen like a Weird Al thing and not laughed or even smiled at all. There's a couple uh, there's, of gags there's, here there's or one, there. That's there was funny. one film segment, and I, I watched it with my st- my wife, and she uh, rather astutely pointed out that it's like something out of the state for on MTV uh, where it's a spoof of the Got Milk commercials. Got okay. Milk has been around that long. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a kid eating cereal and there's a jug of milk on the table next to him and we hear the announcer say, Got Milk? And he suspiciously looks at the camera and says, yeah, kind of points at the milk on the table. And then another teenager comes to the fridge and pulls out another jug of milk and got says, hey, you. Got Milk? And she's like, yeah, pointing at it. <laughs> I, I got it. And then, then, then it becomes, turns very sinister very quickly. How about now? And these thieves break in and start spilling all of their milk. How about now? You got milk now? Like, I can see Tom Lennon doing that. That's a funny bit. There's, there's another funny bit I liked where um, they, did, they cut to... It was also another TV segment, so it's just basically sketch comedy. But they cut to a talk show, and it was close up with Clint Eastwood. So we're here with Clint Eastwood tonight. Oh. Clint, I thought your newest film was brilliant, and the close up, and the, the reason they call it close up is it's just a close up of his mouth. Yeah, somebody could like <laughs> do a, a lame Clint Eastwood impersonation, you don't like just to make his him lips. Up. So yeah, it's just like to... thank you, and you just see a really close up of his lips. And I was like talking about like vegetables and gardening, and yeah, like, that's kind of funny. That's kind of funny. I was I was laughing there, uh, but there's not a lot to it. So let's talk a little bit about the episodes themselves. Yeah. The first episode uh, is Al has a new friend named Spike. Spike is played by Kevin Wiseman, who would eventually go on uh, to co-star in Alias. He's a very recognizable character actor now. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spike comes over, he's wearing a leather jacket, and he's basically just like, you know, Al, you won't be cool unless you do all this stuff that humiliates you, like mm-hmm. dunk your arms in hot chocolate and mm-hmm. tear off one leg pant leg. And, and wear and, bunny ears. And kick out all your real friends. And Al gradually learns a lesson not to do that. Well, and then, and, and then, uh, then at the very end, <laughs> it hit the singularity earlier. Really, uh, <laughs> this is another theory of my wife's. Uh, she uh, she says that anything that has either s- wants to start with a certain amount of clout or becomes popular enough with the right cloud right o- crowd right away, Patton Oswalt will just sort of drift in. Mm-hmm. He'll appear on set. He, it's like where's Rodney? He'll just vanish from wherever he is. Mm-hmm. He'll appear on set. First, First episode. episode. Patton Oswalt. 1997. Patton Oswalt is in there. And the gag is we finally meet like this cool guys club that Kevin Wiseman mm. was putting together. And it's Patton Oswalt dressed like a mega nerd mm. who still makes fun of Weird Al. So that's surreal enough. It was kind of funny. Uh, also, for no reason, Bare Naked Lady shows up and plays a song. 
Well, he, Weird Al's a musician. He knew a lot of rock stars. No, no, it's fine. It's just, it, it's not like organic. It's yeah. not like it matters in the plot. They just pop in, oh, hey, Al, you want us to play some music? Sure, Bare Naked Ladies, well, which, is a, which is a name you're actually like amazed you can even say in a kid's show. Like, if you think about it. No, um, hey, Bare Naked Ladies are here. Whoa. I, Al, can we do that? But, uh... He knows, he knows musicians, it's fine. No, I know, uh, in fact, actually... One of I think was, he's clearly trying to parody a lot of those old, like, Christmas TV specials when, like, I'm gonna sit here by the fire and just read a story. It's good to see you. I didn't see you come in. Hello. Well, Thanks yeah. for having our Christmas... Oh, wait, who's that at the door? It's Tom Landry! <laughs> and Brazilian pop sensation Shusha! Yeah, it's... No, no, obviously they're doing that. In fact, actually, I was reading about this. Um, how they got a lot of their guest stars was they shot their show on the same soundstage as the Jay Leno show. And yeah, while next pe- door, in Yeah, fact. so while people were waiting to go on for the Jay Leno show, Al was just like, hey, you want to come in and do a five-second cameo? And so yeah. Drew Carey would come on and do, like, one bit where he just shows up, is Drew Carey, and then leaves. Right. <laughs> That's funny in principle. It's kind of a good way to get guests. We're doing a weird. weird Do you have to sign a contract? Oh yeah, here while you're walking, just sign the contract. (laughs) Um, The next episode uh, Mm. is uh, the episode is about not making promises you can't keep. And Mm. while he is hanging out with uh, his spy friend and his cousin and his superhero friend, they're all talking about how there is no greater celebrity in this world than John Tesh. Why John Tesh? Because they could eventually get John Tesh on the well, show. Like, I'll, literally any actor would have been in there. Also, he was a bit of a, sort of a pop pariah. He was mocked a lot in, in the pop media. I'm not sure so if he was, everyone, he was an easy target. I'm not sure if everyone knows who John Tesh is nowadays. John Tesh hosted the show Entertainment Tonight for many years. But on top of that, he was also, like, this, like, weird spacey musician who did a lot of, like, musical tone poems and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, he was not... He was famous without being cool. Like, mm. he was never cool. <laughs> no. But he was famous, and people knew his name. He was uncool. He was like, he was like Yanni or Kenny G. You know, just yeah, somebody, somebody who was... Yeah, kinda, he, he's yeah. Uh, kind of limp, unremarkable. Uncool is the best word to say. And uncool of celebrities that a lot of the, the hipper kids... Easily made fun of all so, the time. So everyone Al knows is a huge fan of John Tesh, and trying to impress them, he says he knows John Tesh. So they said, oh, yeah. And he's like, no, I'll have him come over later today, and we'll hang out. Problem is, he doesn't know John Tesh. And to hire John Tesh. John, John Tesh, Tesh is, is expensive. John Tesh's uh, appearance fee is $82,000, so the whole episode is him trying to raise $82,000 mm-hmm. by having a bake sale where all of his disgusting cupcakes mm-hmm. are $20,000 a pop. Uh, his advice is eat them slowly and you'll get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he then gets, he gets advice from the actual Ron Popeil, who wrote a song about. That's true. He did a, a B-52's pastiche called Mr. Popeil. It's a good mm-hmm. song, actually. And uh, yeah, he eventually makes the money, but he makes everyone a money back guarantee for his stupid inventions like a shoelace tightener mm-hmm. and uh, ear magnets. And they all want their money back. And, and he has to do it. He has to give them all the, the money the day, back. He's an honest guy. He gives them all their money back. He learns a viable lesson about not making a promise he can't keep. And then after his friends say, it's okay, Al, we know you just wanted to make us happy. And then they leave. And then John Tesh comes in and asks for his money back and then leaves. And then Weird Al does, like, realizes, oh, no, yeah. I messed John Tesh. And then blah. Uh, the next episode is kind of weird. Here's it's about, one. It's about accepting people for who they are, and yeah. his uh, his he's home invaded by Michael McKeon and yeah. and David Bowe from UHF and a couple other guys. Uh, they play minors. Oh right, and, and Squiggy, Lenny or Squiggy, one of the two. One of the actors is Lenny or Squiggy. Sure. Uh, um, mm. Yeah. 
I don't care. He, uh, uh, they're all they're all miners, and, and they break and Clarence in. Clarence Clemens from the E Street Band. <laughs> they all come in through the wall because they're miners, and they've been like carving around down there, fighting off rats and digging tunnels. And Al is very offended by these gross guys who have broken into his house and are touching all of his stuff. And he doesn't realize that they're actually nice guys who can help him out with his brand new song about why they, why everyone likes cheese. Um, by this point in the show. Uh, we have introduced a new segment that wasn't in the pilot, an mm. animated series called Fat Man, yeah. which seems loosely based off of Al's uh, fat guy persona from his music video, Fat, which yeah. is a parody of Bad. Um, I initially, when I saw this segment coming, I was like, oh God, no. It's going to be just tasteless it's fat just, jokes. And, yeah. and there's a few, but honestly, it's pretty innocent. It's, he, it's, it's, com- it's completely innocent. He likes it's not eat, fat shaming. He likes to eat, but no one ever makes fun of him for it. Mm-hmm. And he saves the day. And he, he that's gets it. A, he, get, he gets his superpowers by becoming fat. That's that's sort of the gag. He, yeah. he eats a donut, becomes becomes fat. The Fat Man cartoons embody uh, some an anxiety that I think Al has always had. Because he's always written about food. Yeah. I think he's a little neurotic about food. I wouldn't be surprised. He, he became vegan at one point in his, in his life just because, you know... People were mailing him books, and he decided to stop writing about food because he figured he didn't want that brand anymore. Yeah. Uh, the story goes he uh, wanted to parody "Smells Like Teen Spirit," and he actually talked to Kurt Cobain and said, "Hey, I'm gonna I want to do a parody of your song." And Kurt, Kurt Cobain said, "Oh, great! Is it gonna be about food?" <laughs> and Weird Al said, "Oh God, am I that easy, Mark?" <laughs> he says, "Well, no. It's about how people can't understand your lyrics, but I'm gonna think about this." <laughs> That's. And, he, and, he, and he's continued to write songs about food, but after a while he said, you know what, I'm swearing off that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, one thing I learned was, uh, you know, they found an animated segment for the show, much mm. like uh, The Simpsons were on the Tracy Ullman show before they became The Simpsons. Mm. And they got a good animation team, a really mm. unusual designs. Mm-hmm. It's very Spike and Mike. It's, it's, it's funnier, it's lighter on its feet than the rest of the show. It's mm. uh, quicker paced. Like, it's, it's okay. They got some good voice actors on it. Billy West plays the voice of the now-talking Harvey the Wonder uh, Hamster. Emo Phillips plays a bad guy who's obsessed with coleslaw. Like, mm. it's kind of funny. But um, the thing that I learned that was kind of interesting was one of the people who pitched an idea for, hey, here's an animated thing we could do on your Weird Al show, mm. was Seth MacFarlane, who pitched him Family Guy. No kidding. Yeah, Family Guy could have originally been like an animated segment on the Weird Al show. Uh, would have been The Simpsons to the Tracy Ullman yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> I've seen some like early like tests of Family Guy, like when the, the designs mm-hmm. were different and the humor was... Well, actually, it's pretty much identical. Uh, <laughs> sort of fa- fast-paced and a lot of TV references. Anyway, episode four, mm-hmm. Al becomes neurotic about... Um, oh, sorry, he starts feeling insecure about his intelligence. Everyone he knows is smarter than him and has expertise in something. So he decides he's going to learn everything he can, and he buys books about every single topic in the world. And there's one kind of funny bit where he's, uh, it's a book called Learn Martial Arts in 30 Seconds. And he opens the book and it says, look behind you. And there that's, is... That's Gede Watanabe. Get who played uh, Cooney from UHF. Play, playing Cooney again. It's the same character. Yeah. And he teaches him martial arts and it's kind of funny for a minute. I'm sorry, 30 seconds. And then he's gone. <laughs> uh, and then eventually he learns that, you know, it's better to... It's better to become an expert in one thing than try than half-ass everything. And what he right. realizes that he's an expert on is hamsters, H- hamster maintenance, because yeah. his best friend is a hamster. Yeah. Uh, then the next, Har- oh, th- Harvey the Wonder Hamster is the peanut gallery, by the way. Mm. Like, if we, in order to sort of emphasize how weird Weird Al's behavior is, they'll cut to an insert of the hamster and give him like a thought bubble with like a screw and a ball in it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. 
Uh, the next episode is called Time Machine, and in this episode, uh, Al learns the importance of just being honest and accepting when you've done something wrong and doing something to change he, it. He forgets Harvey the Wonder Hamster's birthday, so he creates a time machine. So he can go back in time and get Harvey Wonder Hamster a gift before it's too late. The gag but, is that every time he goes back, he's forgotten something else. He learns that he's forgotten something else. Or that something else, or that his attempt to put something off to get Harvey a gift create something even worse. There's a boy, like the most inquisitive boy in the world is one of his neighbors. And he's always coming in and just saying, hey, where does dirt come from? And then Al shows him a video with a bunch of public domain footage and some new voiceover. Mm -hmm. This is an old gag they used to do on TV all the time. They just take old, like informational movies from the 1950s. Yeah, and then they would just put some new dialogue over it. Ha 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 ha. Uh, and this time he's like, no, I got to get Harvey uh, uh, a gift. And so he just blows off the kid. And the kid's just like, well, that's great. I'm going to go off and I'm going to become a, a, a an insurgent somewhere. And I'm going to try to take <laughs> down the government. It's like the one brief second where it gets kind of subversive and weird. A, a little bit. Um, and uh, there's this one weird bit that connects to nothing in which he, he goes back in time to earlier that day. And he's trying to leave out the door. And then Terry Gar comes in and oh, just says, right. hey, we were supposed to play Jaila. And he's just like, oh, Hi-Hi-Li. sorry, Hyalai. We're supposed to play Hyalai together, which is there with her Hyalai, you know, scoop. And he's just like, oh, I can't. I've got to get a gift. I woke up early for you, Weird Al. <laughs> it's just this weird Terry Gar. She's hilarious, but like, it's a weird Terry Gar cameo. And then finally, and you, you can tell. I mean, Weird Al is not an actor, and it's really funny when you get someone like Terry Gar, like a real actor, to sort of act at him. Yeah, because Weird Al's supposed to be timid in that moment, but you can tell that Al himself is a little bit intimidated. By Terry Gar in um, that scene. There's one recurring segment that they only recurred once <laughs> because they they couldn't do it more according to my research. Um, there, where Al would talk about a time when he was almost on a show. He almost oh, had another yeah, TV yeah. show. So there's one animated segment, and it's good animation, like it's believable animation, mm-hmm. where it was Al's guest spot on the Flintstones, and he was going to show up as Al Yankstone or something, mm-hmm. and uh, then he keeps messing up his lines, and Fred's just in, in completely upset with just how unprofessional this Al, and they got the, Al got. they got the actual Flintstones actors who were playing the parts at the time. Yeah, to, it's kind of fun. That they were going to do another one where it was going to be Al playing Luke's annoying brother in Star Wars. And apparently George Lucas was fine with it, Fox was fine with it, and Mark Hamill said no. Mark Hamill said no? Allegedly Mark Hamill. Apparently that was that was a bad week or something. The show. He played a character named Cockknocker in a movie. He'll well, that was like 15 anything. years later. Well, I don't know if he had a sense of humor that about was it at the time. three years later he played Cockknocker. No, Cockknocker. 2000s. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I believe, was the year 2000. I thought it was like 2004. Three years later. I am looking up Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. (laughs) He played a character named Cockknocker in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. 2001. 2001. He had a little bit more time to grow up. (laughs) Or down, I guess. I don't know. To understand that it's okay to say yes. Anyway, these are the stories that I've heard. In any case, he apologizes to Harvey, and Harvey just says, well, sing me a song, and then he does. Uh, then we have uh, another one. This is He's one where to break. Uh, everybody has a, a world record. Yeah, in this yeah. one, Harvey gets like irradiated or something and becomes the world's largest hamster. And mm. Al once again becomes insecure and decides he needs to do something. He needs to break a record. Um, there's a there's actually one kind of funny bit where all these people who would come in who had broken world records and there's one guy who had the world's longest beard and mm. he's like, oh, I guess you're the guy with the world's longest beard. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, what else could I do? Well, you Good could have cut it off. I can do that! <laughs> and cuts off the beard and he's like, I'm free! <laughs> that was a funny joke. That, you're right. That, that was a funny joke. That was joke. a good gag. Um, but, um, yeah. And then Hanson shows up. 
He knew Hanson. I mean, Hanson shows uh, up. Hanson well, was a big. Hanson was actually probably the biggest. Besides bare naked ladies, Hanson's probably the biggest get they had on well, the show. Well, there's like uh, immature and um, all for one. And, I, those uh, they, those were flash in the pan bands compared to Hanson. Uh, that's true. Hanson H- Hanson had some legs H- to H- it. Hanson hung on for a while there, and there's still yeah. a band. Um, yeah, people still like him. Uh, uh, Todd in the Shadows, who is an online f- uh, music critic, uh, has a, a funny bit about Hanson. Hanson, they were a they were a boy band. They were yeah. popular with the teeny boppers. Mbop. Um, um, Mbop was a it's huge a hit. solid head bumping bubblegum rock yeah. song. It's uh, fine. They continued to grow and develop as musicians and continued to play well into their adulthoods. And Todd in the Shadow says, a lot of people say the hipsters say they liked bands before they were cool. But how many people can say they like a band after they were cool? <laughs> Because he actually got into, like, adult Hanson, and he feels that made him, like, sort of a super hipster in a way. I buy it. Mm. Uh, the next episode is the one we already talked about, where his producer sends his teenage son to come in, and Al has to do literally anything the kid says mm. if he wants to keep his job. Uh, a couple of notable cameos in this one. Charles Fleischer shows up as the leader of Weird Al's new house band, mm. which is actually not a bad idea. I'm surprised but, they didn't just keep him. And, and Charles Fle- I, I don't know if Charles Fleischer is, like, a celebrity cameo. Or, or just a working actor. <laughs> I feel like Charles Fleischer. If you, I feel like Charles Fleischer was a recognizable character actor. You would recognize Charles. First of all, if you don't know who we're talking about, he was the voice of Roger Rabbit. That, that's, that's his, his biggest, biggest claim to fame. He's also he like, he's also a respected physicist. Yeah, he, he's he, uh, written papers on quarks was, and shit. He was the dream scientist in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, he played the creepy guy in the basement in Zodiac. He's had a lot of really good, interesting roles yep. throughout his career. Uh, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, Taj Maori, who is an actor who I forgot was ever famous. Like, I didn't watch the shows he was on. <laughs> uh, and Dick Van Patten shows up to dance in a tutu for all of five seconds. Look, Dick Van Patten, if you know, Dick Van Patten was in the Smells Like Nirvana music video. Sure. He and Weird Al were clearly friends, or at least associates. I know, it's just funny. He called in a few favors. He was in more than one episode. Yeah, you get Dick Van Patten. It's great. Uh, the next Dick epi- Van Patten's funny. The next episode is actually one of the episodes that has like the most dramatic through line. Like, There's not a lot of digression to it. Well, because they had the most people to deal with and, uh, like the, and the easiest setup. Yeah, the gag is uh, Al is hosting a talent show with all of his friends. Mm-hmm. So all of the main characters, every character we've seen so far shows up. Uh, and the gag is, or the plot is, Cousin Corky is very insecure about it. There's a lot of insecurity in this show. She's very insecure about the talent show because she doesn't think she has a talent. Mm. The obvious setup, which is actually kind of funny because it's a little surreal, mm. is uh, her talent is she's superhumanly strong and she never notices it. <laughs> like, yeah, she can, like, just rip boxes open and stuff. And yeah, she's... it's like bite bricks and like she's just like I don't I don't have any talents. Hey, can anyone can I can I get like eight strong guys to help me move this like two ton thing? And then she moves it with one finger <laughs> and she's just like, may we proceed? And it's just that's kind of funny. It's like, oh, thanks for helping. Yeah, whatever. Uh, also in this one, uh, Marilyn Rice Cub, uh, who played, I think it's Chloe on 24, mm-hmm. uh, shows up in an early role. She plays a weather woman in a kind of funny bit where as she is tapping the blue screen like with like the CGI image of all the weather stuff, mm-hmm. it keeps tearing and she's upset because she's destroying <laughs> all of America. <laughs> like, oh no, there goes New York. New York gets no more weather. She spins around, well, I guess there's no California either. <laughs> Uh, Immature shows up as the musical guest. I like that they didn't win the talent show. Um, 
And uh, also notable, Weird Al Yankovic's real-life mom mm-hmm. shows Mer- up in this. Mary Yankovic. She almost does a banjo solo while uh, balancing dishes on her head, but she gets distracted briefly and the dishes break and we never get back to that. It, uh, Al has incorporated his parents, Nick and Mary, and some of his stuff. I got to see them on stage once, too. Oh, that's like, nice. Like, I know, here's my mom and dad, and they came out. They're just as boring in real life <laughs> as they are. On, like, they're not putting on an act. They actually have a lot of interview segments, the real parents, in, in The Complete Owl. Yeah. He, we never knew he wanted to be on a game show. Like, they're reading off the cue cards. Yeah. Yeah, he was always crazy about that game show. He was always such a nice boy. Where did we go wrong? <laughs> dab, dab. <laughs> um, act, mom, act. It's pretty funny. Um, uh, then the next one is uh, Al learns how not to take people for granted. Cousin Quirky shows up and she says, hey, I got to do this thing later. I just wanted to pop by and ask to borrow something I forget. And Al says, okay, great. And then Al gets like a free vacation to Hawaii where Daisy Fuentes is going to be his masseuse. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, I guess I got to do that. So he leaves Quirky in charge of the show without <laughs> telling her. And now she's just like, Complete. It's, just, it's like Garth in that one bit in Wayne's World I'm where having, she doesn't know what to do. I'm having a good time. So it's just her trying to figure out what would Al do right now. Right now, Al would watch TV. Okay, I'll watch TV. And she's funny enough that I actually like kind of liked that episode a bit because okay. it messed with the formula a little bit, and it was mm. kind of nice to see someone with Other a better sense, <laughs> well, someone with a better sense of character, sort of taking over for a little mm. bit. Because it's actually kind of funnier to just see Al all of a sudden now. Al for no good reason is in outer space, just talking about you got. Corky and like a video call and he vanishes like that's actually better TV than the Weird Al show usually Um, also Kevin McCarthy plays the mayor in that episode which is kind of funny who Uh, is the bad guy in in UHF uh, also Fabio shows up in that as well as a reward for Corky because she's a big fan she likes she likes hunky blonde guys with strong chins she's got a type between that guy between Fabio and John Tesh yeah, I guess so. She's got a type. But, I mean, they're both handsome men. I'm not, I'm not saying she's... That's fine. Um, okay, uh, and the next episode, Al becomes a bully. And he starts bullying Harvey after the Wonder the, after, after being bullied, he, become, he becomes Two a bully. Two episodes about... The pilot episode was kind of about uh, being bullied as well, or yeah. at least like being emotionally manipulated. The, the, the studio clearly didn't have a lot of lessons in, in their minds. They well, just, you need a lesson. It's, it's Bullies the, are something kids deal with. It would have been so, so much better if it was just completely random. Yeah. Like, complete randomness would have been way better. If it was just the sketch show, it would have been better. Yeah. Even sketches aren't even that funny, well, but it would have been like, better. And here's the lesson. Beware of bullies, kids. Some like that's what he man. He managed to do just do whatever. Mm. Like they just do a show about literally what the fuck ever. We this, found this. some ancient technology in the woods that turned everyone into rock musicians, and then Skeletor turned Beastman's skull into a conga drum. Oh my god! Look, it's the slime pit playset. Yeah, yeah, and right. then and then at the end it would be like you know earlier in this show Skeletor turned Beastman's skull into a conga drum. He really shouldn't do that, kids. That was their valuable yeah. lesson. That's how they skirted that. No, it was it was bizarre because they would like do things about like throwing baking soda on a grease fire. Yeah, I don't know how many cartoons tried to teach me how to throw baking soda on a grease fire. I know how to. Do, I know what to do now. It feels like more of a GI Joe lesson than a He Man lesson. I think He Man did it too. I'm sure he did. Wonder Woman taught me how to balance a glass of water on top of a playing card. I remember that. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> the hell are you trying to? What are you doing to my brain? Eighties car- cartoons. Uh, then the next, yeah. So this one, so he's uh, Harvey the Wonder Hamster is a stunt hamster, and he's very nervous about doing his latest stunt. He's worried about dying, and Al is just like, "Why won't you do this for my career?" He's more like Conan O'Brien. Like, in terms of, like, how he's treating his staff. Mm. It's like, he just his character is all over the place. Um, also, in this episode, Dweezil Zappa plays himself as a guy who is doing all of Al's, like, chores and then gets screwed out of the chocolate lasagna he wanted as a reward. One episode after we had an episode about not doing that with Corky, mm. we get him, like, abusing Dweezil Zappa. <laughs> Cool. I'm guessing that at this point they probably knew they were on the way down. Well, I have a theory by the about time, that. By the by time the you end. get to the last episode, you can see that they were on the way out the door. The, the, writing, is, the writing was literally on the wall, but yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, there's three more episodes. The next episode is The Competition. Uh, and this one, Al learns a lesson about playing fair. No, he doesn't. But uh, the gag is both him and this other talk show host oh, right, right, right. Uh, are uh, up for a big, basically a cable ace award. Um... <laughs> And uh, they'll do anything to get it. Uh, Al's super spy friend kidnaps his competition's musical guest, and Al forces them to play music for him. Yeah, kind of out of character. Um, and uh, what? Meanwhile, the other guy steals Al's shtick, and everyone's talking about. Have you seen Weird Ralph? It's the best new show on TV. And then Fred Willard gives the uh, he gives the the the, the award, award, and he gives the award to the boring kid show host. The, the Mr. Huggins guy. Yeah, and also the puppets are in the audience. Yeah. yeah. Um, Radish is in the in this episode. Remember Radish? No, I have no. Not nobody yet. remembers Radish. There's, in fact, ben most Qu- I remember Ben Queller because of my wife. But yeah, most of the musical guests on this show, mm. I was there going. I have no memory of who these people are. You remember Immature? No. Don't remember Immature. I don't remember All for One. You remember I, All for One? No, no I don't kind remember. of kind of a thing. What was All for One's big hit? Well, so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Oh, okay. Actually, I do know that one. Okay, I didn't know that. Not I, th- I thought Boys to Men did that. It's just one of those. Bands. They did. That was my. That's, they did. Uh, <laughs> they, they, that's a mean thing to yeah. do. They did. I, I would have gone around yeah, telling people. True. Did you know? I thought Boys to Men did that. Turns out All for One did. It's so hard to say goodbye. They did. Yesterday. They did that song. I swear. Oh, okay. That's and I that's swear. A, that that's, was a bit. That was a pretty. Big hit, that's a pretty yeah. good song. Okay, I'll give you that. Right. Um. The, Fair enough. Uh, the next episode is the obligatory holiday episode. I like the premise of this episode because Al is having uh-huh. a holiday party, but everyone gets to come and celebrate whatever the holiday they want. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so ev- everyone has their own holiday. So Judy Tenuta is coming in celebrating Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. The super spy is coming in celebrating uh, St. Patrick's Day, and she's pinching everyone who doesn't wear green, even though they're not playing along. Um, that's kind of funny. Yeah. I like that. Pr- I actually want to throw that party. That's actually kind of a funny premise but the the thing is is that everyone at the party actually has like shit going on in their lives and they want to unload their baggage on al and like corky's just so like i'm playing va- aside, i'm yeah. celebrating valentine's day but i've never had a date for valentine's day well, al is the- trying to be dictatorial about it and says everyone must be happy in the holiday episode well it, it's a, a gag about the way holiday specials tend to work it's like mm-hmm. oh no and the holiday is at risk or someone's unhappy on christmas mm-hmm. just everybody is in their own special Golly, I wish it were written better. Yeah. I wish this whole show were written better. Yeah, the, but the holiday episode, there's something to that one. Like, mm. that's a good idea you could salvage for something else, but it doesn't work. And then the last episode, 
So my theory in this episode is they knew they were on the outs and they had already started dismantling the set, but they had to do one more episode because this, this episode is called Al Gets Robbed. And at the beginning of the episode, someone has broken into has his place yeah. and literally like all that's left is the walls and Al still has to do an episode even though he's got nothing left. Mm. It's so, actually so kind of depressing and meta if you think about well, it. Well, I, I was reminded of, of all shows, Hot Springs Hotel. Because if oh. you remember, Hot Springs Hotel was shot at a real hotel in Palm Springs that was set for demolition. And in the last episode, someone was wandering around the empty hotel. A lot of the furniture was gone. Clearly slated for demolition the next day. Getting in one last bit of footage. It's like it's like practically a haunted house like, yeah, at that point. Yeah. Like It's really weird. And then it's all like flashbacks and clip shows. And yeah, they're just sort of... One actor, the one actor they they would agree to do it, wanders around. I don't think they even had lighting. Yeah. Like, it was just natural light at that point. There's there's two good bits in this episode of Al Gets Robbed. There's two legit, like, okay, that's kind of funny. Mm. Uh, one is Macho Man Randy Savage shows up. <laughs> oh, I, I, the late, great Macho Man Randy Savage. Wonderful presence. You remember him as the guy Spider-Man beat up in the original Spider-Man movie? You remember him because he's Macho Man Randy Savage. You oh, right? he, he sold many a Slim Jim. <laughs> he sold many a Slim Jim. He also played the voice of, of uh, Space Ghost's dad. I didn't know that. That's funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, in any case, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to miss. I don't remember that episode. Come on, man. he was in many episodes. I don't remember those Space episodes. Space Ghost, you're feeling again. It's been a while since I've seen those episodes of Space Ghost. Um, but uh, he ch- he challenges uh, someone to a wrestling ga- match, and you think it's going to be Weird Al, but what? Instead, Al throws Harvey the Wonder Hamster in, and, and Harvey, Harvey the Wonder Hamster kicks the him. shit, yeah. kicks the shit out of Randy Savage. That is kind of funny. There's mm. also a bit... Oh, I forgot about this. He has a mailbag uh, segment in almost every episode. Oh, right. Someone... Uh, it's the last letter he gets is someone who's like, I have an imaginary friend, but all of my friends make fun of me. What can I do? What do you think, Weird Al? And Weird Al's like, first off, having yeah, an imaginary friend imaginary is... Friend. No, yeah. having an imaginary friend isn't bad. It makes him more creative. I have an imaginary friend named Gilbert, and I haven't told anyone about this before. Gilbert Gottfried walks up to him... I'm not imaginary. <laughs> I'm right here next to you. Stop talking like I'm not here. See, if only you could hear what Gilbert was telling me right now. He's such a cut up. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Say what you will about Gilbert Gottfried. He's funny. He's, I like I like Gilbert Gottfried. He knows what he does. Yeah. He knows his shtick. He's got an annoying onstage persona. That's the That's joke. the joke. That's he's <laughs> the joke is he's not funny. He's good at that. Yeah. And the thing is, when the time comes, he can act a little. He can play a character. He was a good Iago in Aladdin. He knows how to be a character. He's good. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's it for the Weird Al show. Uh, ended kind of unceremoniously. Um, and it's a damn shame because on paper, this seems like such a slam dunk. Well, on, Weird on Al paper, hosting a kid's show mm. seems like... I would watch that. That sounds really fun. On paper, from 15 years earlier, when yes. he first was conceiving of the show, that's the show I want to see. You know what I wish the show had been? And mm. I think this would have been in his wheelhouse, and it would have been pretty similar, just less narrative. Mm. If Weird Al had, at this point in his career, because he'd been a star for at least 15 years, going on 20 at this point... Mm. If he had segued into being Dr. DeBento, if this had been his <laughs> variety show, uh-huh. and he brought on a bunch of weird acts, many of them fictional or made up or jokey or whatever, but like mm-hmm. actually some weird, funny, kooky comedy bands or mm-hmm. comedians or whatever, like that actually I think could have been funnier. It's well, him actually uh, just like presenting kids, teaching kids about humor and greeting the world with satire and farce. I think it would 
have been a hell of a lot stronger than Al learns a lesson about bullying today because it doesn't he doesn't live in a real world it doesn't mean it I don't think any kid's gonna actually like absorb that lesson about bullying because Weird Al went through it it doesn't track Mm, there's there's He's not a relatable enough figure. His character, yeah. the Weird Al character as seen on the show, is really vague. Yeah. Now, what you want exists. In 1984, Lorne Michaels needed a mid-season replacement for Saturday Night Live while they went on vacation. He wanted to introduce a new, wilder version of Saturday Night Live. It was called Welcome to the Fun Zone. Ah. Weird Al Yankovic was the band leader on that show. What? He was going to play in every episode, and Dr. Demento was the host. What? It took place on this really wild set. Their first guest was Bozo the Clown. This whole, the whole segment of Welcome to the Fun Zone, the whole episode, is lost. You can get, it was 90 minutes and you can get maybe an hour of it if you cobble it together from online sources. What? It's one of the worst things you've ever seen. I still want to see it. <laughs> maybe we'll do that as our TV movie. But yeah, that, if we can we find that, we have to do that. That sounds amazingly bad. I still want to see it. Yeah, so it was supposed to be this kind of wild oh new wave sort of off-setter comedy version of Saturday Night, Live, Saturday Night Live, which at that point was already pretty mainstream. Yeah. Like, it started off a little off-center, a little bit subversive. But by the 80s, it was pretty by, mainstream. By the 80s, yeah. It was an it institution. Really, really hit its stride. So, yeah, they were trying to do sort of like the the, the crazier, sillier version of, of Saturday Night Live. It's produced by Lauren Michaels. It's called Welcome to the Fun Zone. I got to see a clip of it at the Cine Family. Ooh. Uh, a night with Dr. Demento, and they, they were able to dig up a piece of it. And they actually dug up the segment with Bozo the Clown. Oh, wow. And it's painful. Because oh. uh, Dr. Demento, again, he, he's a DJ. He's used to sitting behind a mic and just giving you info. He has sort of a crazy persona, but he's actually really kind of a just a music nerd. Yeah. He's a record guy. He's a record collector. He, all he wants to do is talk about these weird records. He's not an actor. Yeah. yeah. So he's interviewing Bozo the Cloud. He doesn't have a good uh, like rapport. And Bozo is talking about, well, I brought a film segment. And, you know, it's, it's Pinto Kolvig who did Bozo the Clown. And... Um, he uh, he says, and I, I visited I visited a tribe in Africa, and there's oh, real footage no. of Bozo the clown in the clown outfit in a visiting a real tribe in real Africa, and it is like the most ill-advised, unfunny thing. He's trying to do his clown shtick with these African natives who have oh, no idea what he's doing. No. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. So, yeah, what you want exists, and it's just as bad. Well, I don't want it bad. I, yeah. I never said I wanted it bad. Okay. I wanted it good. Okay. I want the good version. Well, they tried it. Well, no, they tried the bad version. <laughs> they tried the bad the good version. version. And they did. They got some, like, notable comedian. I think John Candy well, showed here's, up in that here's one. What I want. Yeah. Here's the, there is a good version of it, and I think mm-hmm. it lasted more than one season, so we can't cover it here. Uh, it was a follow-up to the state called Viva Variety. Okay. Viva Variety was a... Relatively short-lived, but again, I think it lasted two seasons. A show on Comedy Central starring uh, Tom Lennon from the state and... um, Hmm. Oh, it's Ben Grant, right? Well, Ben Grant was in it as well, but uh, also who was a Wendy? Not not it's not Wendy McClendon Covey. Who starred in that? Who was a co-star in that? I don't. I couldn't say. I didn't Uh, know. Carrie Kenny. Oh, Carrie. Oh, from also from oh from the state. I forgot her name. Uh, She was also uh, one of the singers from the Rentals. Nice. Which is a really great band. It was mm-hmm. a good side band for uh, Weezer. But that um, no, was Michael Ian Black, not mm-hmm. Robert Benkeron. And uh, the idea was it was like a British variety show, and it would uh, alternate between uh, character-driven sketch sh- bits with the people who were on the show, 
um, actual sketch comedy, but also weird variety acts like jugglers and people who swallowed swords and yeah, all kinds pro- of weird stuff. Proper variety, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was legitimately very funny and the kind of weirdness I can totally get behind. I had a really good time with it. Um, well, and that's when somebody says to me, Weird Al is making a TV show, that's immediately what I picture. Exactly. Is, a, is something like UHF, which something is good. also a variety <laughs> show. Like, yeah, the, the, there's that um, uh, um, tele, telethon sequence at the end of UHF mm-hmm. where he's just getting all these weird acts. He's got the guy who can yodel upside down. Saw that guy live on the promenade once. Huh. Uh, he has the Kipper kids, Harry and Harry Kipper, whose entire shtick was they put on oversized noses and chins and went, for four straight minutes. They made a career out of that. One of them married Bette Midler. Um, no. I'm not kidding. Wow. Are they still together? <laughs> They're still together. That's awesome. They, they reunited. I want to for... know how they met so bad. I want to <laughs> I want to see the first time Bette Midler saw him perform. I just want to see, like, was it before they dated? Was it after they dated? No, what, yeah. was it, if it was before they dated, I want to see her meet the guy and then be just like, do I know you? And then you, you find out, she's like, oh. We have to go back to my bedroom right now. <laughs> like, I'm so turned on right now. Like, well, I, I just want to see that I, so I, much. That, that was like I, I think it, like the Kipper Kids wasn't his only career. It was also like a performance artist. Oh, still, besides, I want to see him do yeah. that bit. Um, they did. Uh, the Kipper Kids reunited to do a track for the new Doctor Demento Goes Punk double album that came out last year, oh and it's a cover of Manamana. But oh it's just God. them going, like they kind of sing it, but it's mostly just grunts and fart noises. That's terrible. It's great. I know, but it it's is terrible so great. great. Um, yeah, so you think of the UHF telethon as a TV show, like the shows on UHF in real life. That's a no brainer. Yeah. That's what you're picturing. Yeah. It's frustrating that. And even if you want to do a kid-friendly version of that, fine. Get Hanson on. I don't care. Hanson's fine. I like Hanson. I, I mean, even at the, at the time, you know, the, yeah. the hipper 20-something kids were making fun of Hanson. But, but whatever, it's a kid's show. It's a there kid's were kids show. banned at that point. Like, the, yeah. the youngest one was still, like, 13. Yeah, he was, like, or, 7. No, he wasn't yeah, that he young. Was young. He, he was, was a young he was kid. Young. Yeah. 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 I think Zach was the drummer. But um, it's, it's unbelievably frustrating and not just to me, to Al as well, and everybody who worked on the show, yeah. how toothless they were forced to make it, and how little this reflects Weird Al's actual sensibilities and sense of humor. Yeah. You watch the complete Al, there's some weird stuff in there. You get to see, if you've ever seen of his old Al TV segments, when he actually took over as the VJ on MTV. Oh, that was some fun stuff. The, yeah, like all of those kinds of weird things. I want him to introduce me to you know, the Dog Police music video. I want him to introduce me to like some new hip parody artist that he's just discovered. That's what I mean, like Al the yeah. VJ the show. That's a good show. That's a good show. I'll watch that show. And it can be it can be sketch comedy show. It can be you can do sketches of him being mm. a VJ. I'm fine with that. That's the thing. This do, show is do, a, do like a vlog or something. Well now. nowadays you do yeah. that. But like my thing is that at the time though, that would have given it structure. Mm. If it was a music video based show or if it was some other kind of focused show. But just having Al just talk to the camera and then randomly go about some shit mm. is too loose a structure for Weird Al Yankovic. Or it's it's tight enough, but there needs to be twice as much going on. There, it needs to be frantic. This is one of those shows where, like, you know, if you have one of those DVD players, where you can put it on at like one point five speed. <laughs> it'll play better, and yeah, you'll still yeah. pick up all the dialogue. Like, I actually tried it for a bit. I no, was like, I was, I watched, I watched like half an episode like that. And I'm like. Okay, this I'm getting. I get the gist of it now. I'm just gonna put it on 1.5 speed, and that was just like 
the pacing is better. What yeah, the fuck? It, it, it's <laughs> and this is why it's way tighter now. It, it's Everything why I said for, Weird yeah. Al's not a comedian. He's not ready with a quick joke or a banter. He's not able to keep it moving. Uh, it needs to be paced like Laugh-In is paced, where you can't get a breath. And if the joke sucks, it's too bad. They already told three more by the time you acknowledge <laughs> that one sucks. You know, the, the, and I think Weird Al would have loved to have made a show like that. And I yeah. sense that even Peyton Reed, who's a little bit of a... A, a little more square. A, a little bit more of a journeyman when it comes to his directing style, um, could have handled it. I think he was capable enough that he could have handled something really quick. He's not weird, he can be weird when he wants to be. Down with Love's a weird movie. I mean, uh, it, it's uh, it, it's a it's a, a an arch satire, but I don't think it's odd. Quirky, quirky, um, quirky. He's quirky. He's quirky enough. Yeah, you, you you can't go weird. You can't get like Hen and Lauder or Richard Elfman or somebody on something like this. Um, eh, probably a bad idea. They're, they're Hen little... and Lauder's is definitely a bad idea. Elfman <laughs> would do it, but I think it would be a bad. I don't think it would work. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. But you just need somebody who can handle that frantic sense of humor a little bit better. Um, let me ask you a question. Do you think it would have been worth saving? Like, if it's like it goes off the air, you come back, you retool it completely, mm-hmm. you come back with season two. Do you think it's worth saving, or do you think it was definitely canceled too soon? It's still a good idea. So, um, I don't think it was canceled too soon. Okay. Because the structure that they were married to, this having to learn a lesson, mm-hmm. and as such, robbing the Weird Al character of all of his character, and, and having be kind of a different person every episode, uh, already killed it. And you can't yeah. continue with that. No. That's just death from the start. When you say if they retooled it in that they ignored the studio notes and just did what they want, yeah, that's the show I want to see. But that's a different show. Yeah. That's not the Weird Al show that we got. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah. It would have been nice if we'd had some Weird Al do a different show at some point. Yeah. That would have been fun. But uh, and this show is not what we want. There's Here's the thing. There's so much goodwill for Weird Al now. Weird Al has reached the age where the people who are running shows now grew up listening to his music. He's an institution. He, yeah. Uh, so he's, he's shown up on, like, Last Week Tonight and... At midnight with uh, Chris Hardwick and that crowd. Um, mm-hmm. No, he's comedy royalty right now. And exactly. With good cause. Exactly. With good so, cause. And, you know, g- given this sort of glut of content that we're living through right now, where everybody has their own streaming service, there's a spot now for a Weird Al show. And it's it's not going to be Weird Al in the 90s when he was kind of like standing astride the world, but he is standing astride the world. Mm-hmm. And... There's somebody out there, some rich producer, who could give him the show he wants. Now, I don't want him to see. I don't want to see him host a children's show anymore. Probably. I don't want to see him be high energy anymore because he's in his late fifties. He can't really do it in the same way. What do you want? Pardon? What do you want? What What I want is what we were talking about. What I want is elder statesman Weird Al. Okay. Educating us about media, about how to look at media. And, and all these new par- and new parody artists, all through uh, Doctor Demento style. Uh, music program. Uh, more than anything, I just want him to be a DJ on Sirius Radio. <laughs> that I don't necessarily awesome. want to see him on camera doing that. He could just do it in audio form. That would be great. He'd dig up these old oddities that he has in his own record collection. He'd call all of his buddies. He'd call in you know comedians who also have weird record collections, and they just share strange music. Who's what I want? Hmm. 
I want uh, the Weird Al version of Joe Bob Briggs' Last Drive-In. There you go. That That's what Joe I'm Bob Briggs, about. Joe yeah. Bob Briggs had his own basic cable show uh, in the 90s, I think 80s. Um, and yeah, I don't he, know when it It was like started, on TNT yeah. or TBS or one of those basic cable stations. And he would just show really gory, violent, often very bad horror movies. And in between segments of the film, he would... He'd comment. He would comment. He would tell you about it. He'd make a joke. He'd do a little sketch, something. Um, and he was... And, and Joe Bob Briggs was a persona. His real name is John Bloom, I think, or, yeah. or and D- he, Dave Bloom. And he was a, he was a critic. He, he <laughs> did raise awareness of a lot of, of that sort of grindhouse type of cinema um, at a time when a lot of people were overlooking it entirely, and he appreciated it. Was, it. it was midnight TV fair. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he recently had a revival over at Shudder. If, you if you're mm-hmm. a subscriber to Shudder, I recommend checking it out, where he introduces people to movies that... Frankly, a lot of people, Whitney and my age, we've seen, but a lot of younger people haven't seen Tourist Trap. And having someone, <laughs> having an elder statesman in sort of a Turner Classic Movies kind of way, although with a little bit more edge to it, inter- t- show you how cool these things mm-hmm. are and tell you it's okay to like them and give you the context of what you need to enjoy them is great. So if we could have Weird Al do that with like weird esoteric humor shit, that would be ideal. Yeah, I would love to see that. Here, here's the story of Benny Bell. We're going to do a Benny Bell episode. He's the guy who did Shaving Cream. There you go. It's like the, He's like an ancient musician. Going Goes back to the I think the 20s. Yeah. It's like, let's listen to some Benny Bell records. Something like that. Here's something I listen to. This is, this is a way to, for me to inform... <clears throat> You, all of my fans, what made me, yeah. and let you kind of explore all of these novelty records. I don't necessarily need to see that on TV. I yeah. want to hear it on radio. Yeah, radio would be a perfect fit for it. You could do it on TV, though, if you have enough video footage. But yeah, that'd be great. And every once in a while, he can debut a new song if he thinks of one. That'd be nice. He did a polka about Hamilton. That's that's been, a, that was his most recent That's a song. rock solid polka. <laughs> right there. That is a legit. Like, I remember when uh, Alapalooza came along, and I was so excited to hear the new polka. Mm-hmm. And the new polka was just him doing a polka version of Bohemian Rhapsody. And I felt... Were, 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 I, I felt let, s- let down, or... Yeah. I was screwed over. Ah. I was like, you son of a... No, I've heard Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. I don't need a polka version of Bohemian Rhapsody. What's what's your favorite Al polka? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was the Rolling Stones one. Yeah, the Hot Rocks polka. Hot Rocks polka is probably my favorite as a kid. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't done that with another artist. Yeah, like a Beatles polka? Elvis and the Beatles are right there, man. Yeah. Mm. Blue suede polka. Just do it. Done. Problem solved. The Beyonce polka. That'd be great. He already <laughs> Does, did crazy right now in one of them, but well, how how many like gi- giant humongoid hits do they have? A lot. Mm. She's Beyonce. You include Destiny's Child at least. You definitely oh, well, have enough for a polka, but like so. no, but she's Beyonce. dude. She's Beyonce, dude. She's a singer, right? Beyonce. Oh my god! You, she's, you she's get out of my apartment. <laughs> oh, she was in that movie Obsessed. I there you go. She yeah, she was okay. really good in Obsessed. That's right. Yeah. She, now, she, now you know. She got to throw Allie Larder through a glass coffee table. Now you're on like the everyone should. Every no, everyone knows she would have. Anyway, the Weird Al show was uh, not canceled too soon. No, it, was, it is quite a bad. It show. It did not. Uh, they did not. It's it's probably not the fault of anyone specifically. Mm. You know, out front and center of the show, but they were not allowed to make the show they wanted to make. They've been very clear about it, that, and it and shows. It, it's so every episode, you can see them fighting the format. You can see that they didn't want to be there. A lot of the you time. can see Weird Al trying to spice it up with a few funny jokes here and there, but yeah, the timing is way off. It's mm-hmm. really slow paced. 
the, the wacky characters aren't that wacky, no. quite frankly. You know, the Hooded Avenger is, doesn't play as any kind of joke. He's just sort of a superhero. Yeah, it's not really, no. Corky, no. Corky that Corky can bite bricks is like the one gag that kind of plays out. Well, I like her just because she's, you know what she was? She's, um, oh, what's the name of the cousin on the Monsters who's all normal? Marilyn. Marilyn. She's cousin Marilyn, where she's just kind of the normal one. Yeah, the white sheep of the, of the family. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's who she is. And there's something about that that I kind of gravitated towards mm-hmm. just because she felt different, <laughs> ironically. Um, so, yeah. I, I, and I love that they got all this talent. Judy Tenuta, great. Yeah, Emo no. Phillips is in several episodes. Great. Yeah. Dick Van Patten, San Freeberg, Daddy Deason is in the wall. These are all good ideas. <laughs> wall up Daddy Deason. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> alas. Um, but, but alas. Everything was mishandled and mismanaged and underwritten and not well filmed. Nah. It's only when Weird Al is singing or the guests are singing that it really ever comes alive. And that's just a musical segment. And it doesn't even have to have anything to do with the show. Yeah. Nothing works. <laughs> well... Maybe next time. What a pity. Because, because next I adore Weird Al. Next time on Cancel Too Soon, we're going to be doing a really big about face, because this is a kid show. Mm. Next time we're doing something really dark, really gothic and mm. American. We're doing American Gothic. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is a uh, show that tried to uh, pull a Twin Peaks in the 90s and be about like a small town in America where a bunch of scary stuff is happening. Mm. Um, it received really, really great reviews. Nobody watched it. Uh, it had a life on home video, and now it's pretty much forgotten now again. However, it was, there was, yeah, it was a cult hit for a second, and yeah. now it's not anymore. Uh, if people who remember, however, remember it very, very fondly, and we've had quite a few requests for it, and we decided after waiting way too long, we're going to do American Gothic, and we're going to follow it up with American Gothic. The other American Gothic. Because there was another completely unrelated show called American Gothic that only lasted one season. It came out a couple of years ago. So we are going to do American Gothic followed by American Gothic. So it's our American Gothic Palooza. Double, double punch. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it'll be a hoot. Uh, so we hope everyone uh, comes back from that. We'll be seeing you there with that really soon, I hope. Um, and uh, yeah, so thank you everybody for listening. Especially thank you everybody on Patreon for supporting the show. Uh, your Patreon subscription really helps keep the show going. It's so hard keep, sometimes the, to, to uh, keep, keeps do the lights on, keeps, keeps the mic running, and uh, thank you for, yeah for all of your patience, all of your support, and uh, all all of your patience uh, again as we just sort of rant through. Uh, stuff like our love of Weird Al. If you're not a fan of Weird Al, this is th- probably this is not, not the, the episode, episode for you. <laughs> but we hope you check him out. If you're not, because if you're new to Weird Al or you're not a huge fan, we love Weird Al. Weird Al's albums are wonderful. Pick pick one at random, you'll be fine. And like, there is no bad Weird Al album. Mm. Poodle Hat's not great. Poodle Hat's not his best, but they're mm. all pretty damn good. It's also the only one of his that's won a Grammy. Strangely enough, weird. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's patreon.com slash critic acclaim. That's the banner for all of our content. And there's a ton of exclusive stuff on there. We hope you'll stop by and enjoy it. And boy, does that mean a lot to us. If you can't afford that, leave us a review wherever you find us. Tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter at CancelCast. Uh, I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And uh, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. 